This is the day that the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. Hi, my name is Dr. Lou Diaz, pastor of Butte Bible Fellowship located at 2255 Pillsbury Road in Chico. And I'm providing inspirational teaching for you from God's Word each week. Listen to my weekly radio program, Encouraging Words with Dr. Lou Diaz, at 10 a.m. on Saturday or 10 a.m. on Sunday. If you would like to hear my current message series, you may call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530-892-0521. I want you to turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 15. We're looking today at this important question, why grace really matters. Why does grace really matter? We're going to find out in a moment. Let's read from Acts chapter 15, the first part. Certain people came down from Judea to Antioch and were teaching the believers, unless you are circumcised according to the custom taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. This brought Paul and Barnabas into sharp dispute and debate with them. So Paul and Barnabas were appointed, along with some other believers, to go to Jerusalem to see the apostles and elders about this question. The church sent them on their way, and as they traveled through Phoenicia and Samaria, they told how the Gentiles had been converted. This news made all the believers very glad. When they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church and the apostles and elders to whom they reported everything God had done through them. Then some of the believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees stood up and said, The Gentiles must be circumcised and required to keep the law of Moses. We're going to be looking at this in a moment, but first let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the privilege we have of looking deeply into your word and seeing its glorious truth. Speak to us about your grace and why it really matters. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. We have here a very important message, Why Grace Really Matters, from Acts chapter 15. Why does grace really matter? I have five reasons here for you. Grace is what God has done, not what we do. Why does grace really matter? Because God gets the glory, not us. We're saved by grace, lest any man should boast. It's not by our achievement, our works, our goodness. It's purely by the initiative, the goodness, the love, the forgiveness, and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross and his shed blood that we are saved. Amen? Second, why does God's grace really matter? Because freedom in Christ is to be defended. You are set free in Christ, and we are to make sure we stay free. Don't let anybody else make you encumbered or put in bondage again. You've been set free in Christ. You're a child of the king, and therefore you're not a slave, you're a son. You are a daughter of the loving Heavenly Father. Don't let anyone encumber your freedom. Defend it. Third, why does grace really matter? 
Because grace is opposed to a works-based acceptance. That is, that grace is not a performance-based acceptance. I will love you if you perform. I will love you if you do good and only good. No, grace is God's unmerited favor. We didn't deserve it. We didn't earn it. But God gave it to us because he loves us. And he first loved us, therefore we love him. So we don't work to get God's approval. We're approved by God, and out of his approval, we love to serve him and grow in holiness. Next, why is God's grace really important? Because God's grace is God-given through faith in Jesus. That's so important. God's grace comes from God. He's the one who gives it. And it comes to us when we receive Christ by faith, not by works. We trust in his finished work on the cross on our behalf, and we receive his righteousness in place for our sinfulness. And then finally, why does grace really matter? Because grace is then lived out in holy fellowship. If you received God's grace and you understand God's grace, you live in harmony with other Christians because you want to be in fellowship with the family of God. Well, I think I just preached my outline, and so I'll just briefly show you how all these points come from our passage, Acts chapter 15. First of all, grace is what God has done, not what we do. In Acts 15 verse 1, it says, certain people came down from Judea to Antioch and were teaching the believers, unless you're circumcised according to the custom taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. Can you imagine that? These unofficial, self-appointed ex-Pharisees were coming to these believers and saying, in order for you Gentiles to be followers of Christ, you have to first become proselytes. You have to first become uh, study, studiers of Judaism and become Jewish before you can become Christian. And they were saying they must follow and obey the law of Moses and be circumcised, which is the covenant symbol of Judaism. However, that is Jesus plus. And there's no such thing as Jesus plus salvation. Jesus alone is who saves us. He died on the cross. He was perfectly sinless. He was fully righteous. And when he died on the cross and his blood was shed, it was so that we could have our sins washed away and we could receive his perfect righteousness to our account. There's not one thing we can do to work for or earn Christ's uh, acceptance or forgiveness. It's a gift from God. There are two kinds of religions. All the religions of the world that say people have to do something for God and Christianity that says God has done something for us, Christ his son died on the cross for us. So we could not live a righteous life, but Christ did. And his righteous life is to our account. We have his right, white robe of righteousness because we've trusted in him so praise God that grace is what God has done, not what we have done. Secondly, notice that grace is 
freedom in Christ that must be defended. When you've been set free from the tyranny of sin, the tyranny of Satan, the fear of death, you want to remain free. You don't want to be encumbered or enslaved or put in bondage again. And so because of that, Paul and Barnabas fought tooth and nail against these former Pharisees who were saying you're not saved unless you obey the law of Moses and are circumcised. And it says in 15.2, this brought Paul and Barnabas into sharp dispute and debate with them. Did you know that because of this conflict, because of this debate, because of this heresy, Paul wrote the book of Galatians. That's right. Galatians was written shortly before the Jerusalem Council that is mentioned here in Acts chapter 15. And I just want to read a a section, a selection from Galatians 1, verse 6. Paul writes to the people of that whole area of Galatia, I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion or trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let him be under God's curse. As we have already said, and now say again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let him be under God's curse. Let him be anathema. So that's Paul saying there's no other gospel but you are saved by faith alone, by grace alone, in Christ alone, by the word alone, to the glory of God alone. Anything that makes Jesus plus works, Jesus plus religious rituals in order to be saved is a false gospel, and such a person is under a curse. That's the letter of Galatians that Paul wrote before the Jerusalem Council. In this, he also talks about how he confronted Cephas, that is, Peter. Peter was eating with some Gentiles. Then he saw the people from the circumcision party, the Judaizers, coming, and he separated himself from the Gentiles. Oh, I wasn't eating with the Gentiles. And Paul says, you hypocrite. We're saved by grace, and we're one family. Don't pull yourself apart from being with Gentiles just because those legalists have come in. When I saw what the, that they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel, I said it to Cephas in front of them all, you're a Jew, yet you live like a Gentile and not like a Jew. How is it then that you force Gentiles to follow Jewish customs? Paul will not have anything to do with hypocrisy. And you may remember that when Jesus was on earth, the people he said, woe to you, were the Pharisees. He says, you go seeking people, and you make them twice the disciple of hell that you are. You put on them a heavy burden that you yourself are not willing to carry. So Paul and Barnabas were in a war, and that war was for the grace, the gospel of the grace of God. And we must not compromise. We're saved by grace, not by works that God may receive all the glory. Grace is opposed to works-based acceptance. You can imagine then that 
Paul and Barnabas went to Jerusalem, as did the former Pharisees who were off base and were preaching a works-based salvation. And they both presented their cases before the apostles and the elders of the church in Jerusalem, of which James was the head. And this is the half-brother of Jesus, James. The other James, the brother of John, had been beheaded, killed by the sword for his faith. So now, they're in Jerusalem. There's the church council to meet on this issue about Gentiles. Are they genuinely saved by faith, or must they do certain things before they're qualified to be saved by faith? And this is such an important council. So Paul and Barnabas tell their story about all the wonderful things they saw God do in bringing people to faith in Jesus Christ. And then the former Pharisees get up there and they say, no, the Gentiles must be circumcised and required to keep the law of Moses. What's going to happen? This is exciting. Because faith is God-given through faith in Jesus Christ. Grace is God-given through faith in Jesus Christ. So three parties give testimony to this. You've got Paul and Barnabas talking about how they saw on the mission field in their first missionary journey, as recorded in Acts 13 and 14, how people were Gentiles were coming to Christ in faith. And you have Peter with this incredible message. Peter, who had been corrected by Paul earlier, um, says this. Brothers, you know that some time ago, God made a choice among you that the Gentiles might hear from my lips the message of the gospel and believe. You remember that he had a vision of the sheep being let down, and God said, don't call anything unclean that I have called clean. And he was saying, I want to include Gentiles in the salvation program that I have. Go to Cornelius' house. And he did. And Cornelius and his whole household received Christ. And Cornelius was a Gentile, and he was a Roman, and he was a Roman soldier, a centurion. Of all people that received Christ, under Peter's ministry, a Gentile received Christ. So Peter knew what he was talking about. He says, um, God made a choice to use me, to share the message with Gentiles. God, who knows the heart, showed that he accepted them by giving the Holy Spirit to them, just as he did to us. We can't see into a people, people's hearts to know if they've genuinely received Christ. But when Peter told the gospel to Cornelius and his household, they were immediately filled with the Holy Spirit and started speaking in tongues. Just like the Jewish people who believed in Christ, received Christ and they started speaking in tongues in, on the day of Pentecost. So the same thing that happened to the Jewish believers when they became Messianic Jews, completed Jews, happened to the Gentiles when Peter spoke to them. That was evidence that was undeniable that they were saved in their hearts. And Peter goes on, he did not discriminate between us and them for he purified their hearts by faith. He purified their hearts by faith. How are we saved by grace? It's a God-given means for us to be brought into 
fellowship with him through the finished work of Christ, and it's received by faith alone. Not by works, not by merit, not by achievement, not by religious rituals. It's received by faith alone. Peter makes that very clear in Acts 15, verse 9. He ends with this, throwing it back at the Jerusalem council. Now then, why do you try to test God by putting on the necks of Gentiles a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors have been able to bear? No, we believe it is through the grace of our Lord Jesus that we are saved just as they are. We're saved by faith through grace and not by works. You see, the law has a purpose. The purpose of the law is to show us that we all fall short of the holiness of God. We all fall short of the glory of God. All of us have sinned. All of us have broken at least one, if not many, if not all of the Ten Commandments. And if you're guilty of breaking even one of the Ten Commandments, you're guilty of breaking all of them. You're a lawbreaker. We're all sinners. Now, having been people who fall short of the glory of God, of the holiness of God, the law points to us that we need a Savior. So we can't live out the law in our own strength and energy. What God does when we receive Christ is He pulls out our stony heart that was unable to respond to Him, and He puts a heart of flesh that's responsive to Him, And by His Holy Spirit, He empowers us to live according to His Word and commands by the power of His Holy Spirit. And He changes us from the inside out. And it's a work that He's doing. And He gets the glory. Praise God. So this is a God-given resource that's received by faith in Jesus and by faith alone in Jesus alone. And finally, this grace is to be lived out in holy fellowship. After Peter gave testimony and Paul and Barnabas gave testimony, James got up and he made a speech. He said, it is my judgment that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles to turn to Christ. The only thing we should ask of the Gentiles is this, that we should say to them, They are to abstain from food sacrificed to idols, from blood, from the meat of strangled animals, and from sexual immorality, and you will do well to avoid these things. And they put that in a letter that they sent to all Gentiles, and the Gentiles were thrilled. So let me just break this down for you, what what this is saying. On the one hand, the Jerusalem Council affirmed that salvation is by faith through grace alone. Period, in Jesus Christ. But the second thing they said is, if you're a Gentile, abstain from idolatry and immorality and have nothing to do with eating food that still has the blood in it, that's been strangled and is not kosher. And if you will abstain from those things, then you will be able to have fellowship with your Jewish believers, with the Messianic Jews. Because the Messianic Jews had a very clear 
of prejudice and impression of Gentiles. They saw them as pigs and dogs who were no different than animals, who were just giving themselves to their base uh, desires. And the temple worship back then involved orgies and involved eating of meat that was strangled with the blood still in it. And so the Jews were repulsed against Gentiles. Well, now, if a Gentile receives Christ and the Lord is in his life, he wants to live for the Lord and not serve dead idols, but the living God. He doesn't want to be involved in immorality. He wants to be faithful to his spouse and faithful to the Lord. And he doesn't want to eat food that would cause division in the body. He wants to, having received grace, live graciously and sensitively with his brothers in Christ. He doesn't want to put a stumbling block before his brothers in Christ. And that's what Romans chapter 14 is all about. So this is an important principle. If you've been saved by grace, then you know that living in unity by being gracious is important. Freely you have received, freely give. You've received grace freely, give grace freely, and live with your brothers and sisters in Christ in unity. So this is the important message that we receive here in Acts 15. Why does grace really matter? Because first of all, grace is what God has done, not what we could accomplish in our own strength, energy, or ingenuity. God gets all the glory. Why is grace really important? Because it's freedom that we have in Christ. And it needs to be defended. It needs to be protected. It needs to be guarded. It needs to be kept pure and free from uh, any concepts of, uh, of thinking that we're not saved if we don't measure up to somebody else's standards or go through some spiritual gymnastics. We're saved by faith through grace alone. And grace is opposed to works-based acceptance. Maybe you are trying to self-atone for something you've done. Can I tell you something? You've been forgiven by the blood of Christ. You've been washed by the blood of Christ. There's nothing you can do to self-atone. In a Shakespeare play, uh, one of the characters is constantly washing her hands, saying, out, out, uh, darn spot, Uh, that's not quite the exact word. But you know what she was trying to do? She was trying to wash her hands to self-atone, to get rid of the guilt that she had. Christ says that our sins are forgiven through faith in him, that though your sins be like scarlet, they will be whiter than snow. So believe that Christ paid it all, that all your sins are forgiven. They're washed by the blood of Christ. Instead of trying to self-atone, thank the Lord that you have been forgiven. Thank the Lord that your name has been written in the book of life in the very blood of Christ. Thank the Lord that you are God's child. He loves you forever, and his love for you will never change. Praise God. You're forgiven. You're in fellowship, and you've been set free. Grace is God-given through faith in Christ Jesus. If you've not trusted in Jesus Christ, why don't you trust in him today? Why don't you say, Father, 
I ask for your forgiveness. Forgive me for trying to pull myself up by my own bootstraps because they're not strong enough to pull me up. Only you can forgive me. Only the finished work of Christ on my behalf, Him dying on the cross to take the punishment of sin in my place and to give me His righteousness is what matters. I hope in nothing less than in Jesus Christ and His righteousness. If you will pray that prayer, God will forgive you. Jesus will come into your heart and you'll be gloriously saved. Not because of following all sorts of elaborate rules and regulations, but simply because you trusted in a person who loves you and who gave himself for you, Jesus Christ. And finally, grace is living out in holy fellowship. Because you've received grace, you want to cherish the fellowship and the unity of the body of Christ and be eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Would you join with me in prayer? Heavenly Father, thank you that grace really matters. Thank you that you saw we were helpless, we were bankrupt, we could not save ourselves. But you provided your own Son, Jesus, to die on the cross, to rise on the third day, to be our Savior and our Lord. And right now, we trust in you, Jesus, as our Savior, as our Lord. Thank you for washing away all of our sins and paying for them in full. Thank you they've been nailed to the cross. Thank you that you have given to us in place of our sins your very righteousness. And we want to love you and live for you because we have your approval, not because we're seeking to earn your approval. Thank you that you love us. Thank you for receiving us, accepting us. Thank you that we belong to you. And Lord, help us. Help us not to judge other people and set scriptural, uh, non-scriptural standards as to whether they're believers or not. Help us to trust that you are working to save people who are very different from us. And Lord, we pray, use us to share this good news with others. Help us to tell a neighbor, a friend, a family member the good news that there's forgiveness of sin through faith in Jesus Christ. Thank you for this good news that we celebrate. Thank you for loving us so much. We love you. And thank you that our foundation, our hope, is in Jesus Christ and in Him alone. Amen. In a moment, you'll be able to sing that song, The Solid Rock. My hope is built in nothing less than Jesus Christ and His righteousness. But before we sing that to close this service, I'd like to make a few brief announcements. Here you go. Gail Bellamy, happy birthday on Monday, tomorrow, 11.30. Gail Bellamy is our part-time bookkeeper, and we're so thankful for her. If you get a chance to see her or call her or email her or send her a card, wish her a happy birthday. Also, um, we want you to know that we have a Bible study and a prayer meeting on Thursdays via Zoom. This coming 
Thursday's Bible study is on the book of Isaiah. I have to tell you, the longer I've walked with the Lord and the longer I've read the book of Isaiah, the more I marvel at how much Isaiah covers regarding the birth of Christ, the life of Christ, the prophecies of things that are going to come. It's going to be an exciting study. This Thursday at 10 o'clock, you just connect like you did today to this Zoom service, and you'll be ready for the Bible study at 10 and the prayer meeting at 11. Uh, My sermons are being broadcast on KKXX. Tell other people about it so they can hear the word on Saturdays and Sundays at 10 a.m. That's 104.5 or 9.30 a.m. on your dial. Do you need encouragement? I want to share my spiritual gift of encouragement with you. If you would like to hear my current message series, you may call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530-892-0521. Call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530-892-0521 to find out how you can connect with our weekly worship services and faith-building messages from God's Word.